Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. It's been a couple of weeks. It's good to be back with Bailey Johnson and Kyle Robertson. Look for all of Bailey's work at uh, Dispatch.com. She's piling up the clips there, and uh, there's a lot of good stuff. We're going to talk about some of it today on this crew-oriented podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us at the controls. Per usual is Patrick, the podfather, Flaherty. I'm Mike Arace, longtime host, I think you can say. Yeah, definitely. Longtime host. We scratch by the best we can, uh, Bailey. Let's start with, um, well, it's been two weeks, so let's start with um, a 6-1. to one. It felt like a watershed victory over <laughs> Atlanta just because, I mean, they beat the invention right out of the birthplace of the invention of soccer. The Atlanta, the Atlanta's here at the Lower Dot Com Stadium. It was, it was just a housing. Um, uh, Let's cover that before we get to Real Salt Lake, the the more recent game. But um, this explosion, they'd scored one or two goals in each of their previous four games, and then boom, uh, a six spot uh, on on it. Well, both teams were depleted, but um, you know, Cucho was injured. Cucho Hernandez, the the crew striker. There were also people missing on international duty. Um, t- take us through the uh, Atlanta game um, that was uh, here in Columbus two weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. I was in Seattle covering um, Ohio State women's basketball in the Sweet 16. They had just beaten UConn, and I was sitting there courtside with the broadcast in my headphones so I could text Colin Gay, our colleague, who was covering that game for <laughs> me while I was gone. And prior to the game, I am quite type A and really wanted to help him have as much knowledge heading into the game as possible. But it was a little bit of an unknown given how many guys were out on both sides. So I wanted to make sure that I was tuned in so I could keep him up to date and help him as much as I could. And Aiden Morris scores in the 14th minute. And I text him. That's his first MLS goal. I have a quote from earlier in the season that I can send you. And by the end of the night, it's everybody's first goal with the crew. It's four guys first goals in MLS at all. And it turned into they made his job. He's talented and I had no concerns, but they made his job very easy and I was listening in from Seattle. Um, Christian Ramirez scored twice. You were the angel on his shoulder. (laughs) I might have been the devil on his shoulder either, but he was probably tired of me by the end of it, but I was trying to help. Um, Christian Ramirez gets in for his first game um, after getting injured in preseason and missing quite a bit of time. He scores twice. Aiden Morris scores his first goal. Phil Quinton, Jason Russell Rowe. It's then 5-1 in the second half stoppage time, and Max Arfston throws one in in the 91st minute just to... We didn't throw it in. (laughs) Thank you. I figured they could understand what I meant. You're welcome. I just, I get tired of, like, Jeff Rimmer saying he's walking in. That's fair. He walks right in. There's nobody walking. Um, Max Arfston adds one in in the 91st minute. Just for the icing on the cake with an assist from Will Sands that was very similar to his assist to Cucho against Atlanta last fall, just to throw out there, beating a guy up the left side and then a nice ball into the middle of the box. Um, yeah, it was kind of like you said, a watershed game for them. Obviously, Atlanta was missing quite a few players, but so were the crew. And it was really a difference in sort of their mentalities. Atlanta looked pretty beaten down even from the beginning. They didn't really get a lot going at any point. Did the light bulb go off? Because there was so much talk about, uh, you know, the new three four two one and and uh, uh, Wilfred Nancy's principles. Is that when we look at the Atlanta game? Because you know, those those Atlanta is not only the the birthplace of soccer, but um, they're in second place. Um, uh, with 13 points in the East, you know, since he 4-0-2 is, is, uh, is on fire. But Atlanta, it's not like this is a 
chump Atlanta team. Um, they're in second place in the East. They've scored 13 goals uh, through through six games now. Um, they're plus four. You know, um, they're undefeated at home. I mean, this is is this a, what I'm getting at? Is this a case where maybe the plan started to make sense? Yeah, and yeah. I think you'd seen elements of it all the way from the beginning. But what was particularly impressive about that Atlanta game was the way, like you said, it was like the light bulb going on. And it was the light bulb going on for a bunch of guys who hadn't played a lot. Right. It was Christian Ramirez's first game. It was Jason Russell Rowe's first yep. start. It was a lot of, you know, they had a different lineup than they'd had. It was Gustavo Vallecia's first game um, at center back. Alex Matan was playing sort of the lone central midfielder role or attacking midfielder role with um, J- Christian Ramirez and Jason Russell Rowe ahead of him, which was a little bit of a switch from the 3-4-2-1 to be more of like a 3-4-1-2. And you saw them all really embrace what Wilfried wanted from them and what he said and what I noticed as well watching it. Every time they scored a goal, they'd go restart the game and they were immediately pressing again to win the ball back and wanted to go score again, again, again. And that's something he's really tried to impress on them. And he actually hinted after the Real Salt Lake game, which we'll get into, that that is part of how he is approaching fixing their problems from last year of conceding so many goals late in games and getting so tense and just kind of falling apart down the stretch. He really wants them to not ever be thinking about the score and be playing the same way from minute one to minute 90. And you can see it in the way that they just keep attacking the entire time. Well, they go from that. I mean, they go from that. They have two home games in a row for the first time this season. And uh, the first was uh, the win over Atlanta and they come back and they pound Real Salt Lake for nothing. And Kyle, it, it wasn't even that close. And the, this was this was just the most recent Saturday, uh, the one past week six. Um, and once again, you thought there had to be, or you figured there could be a regression of some kind. But no, um, the the pedal stayed right down. Um, you know, I, I look at that first goal, Kyle, on on Saturday. Once again, oh. Aiden Morris oh. had a brace. Now. Um, as impressive as the back heel was uh, from fan, Zella yeah. Ryan, um, which led to basically a, a volley with like no touch, just a bullet into the far, far lower corner by Aiden Morris. Um, but a- a- impressive to my eye, too, was the recognition of the space behind the back line as soon as the ball went through and Morris made the run. Um, is this are these the kinds of things that we're starting to see? I guess I guess we yeah. are. I mean, I mean, if. If you remember, we talked about when he was with the U.S. Uh, national team earlier in January, and they played uh, Columbia, and and Morris had a, a long run, and he went to the top of the box, and he just missed a shot. And we talked about how much he wanted that. When he scored that goal, you know, that's what I thought about. It was like, boom. Like, he got, you know, the, the shot that he was looking for and perfectly, you know, placed it. And, you know, to see his, what, three goals in two games and, you know, just – I think it, the light finally is, you know, full go for him. And it's amazing to see because before it was all about hustle and about making the slide tackle plays. And now he is an it's offensive, yeah. you know, it's about giving up leads. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like, now he has that with the ability, you know, he made that awesome assist uh, against new England for the goal where he, you know, had the long kind of chip shot, um, you know, pass, and, you know, now he's actually scoring goals. So, like, he's bringing it all together, which is pretty awesome to see for, a, not, you know, crew homegrown. Not to pick on Caleb Porter, right. but um, Wilfred Nancy is very quickly getting a lot more out of 
the players that well, yeah, and, and and the younger guys. I yeah. mean, yeah, he, Sands. I mean, he's been playing awesome. Will Sands has looked you know, really good. He's he, getting good stuff yep. really out of both of them on those wings. Yeah. Both Will Sands and Mo Farsi. You've really seen them start to understand what he wants from them. He asks a lot yep. of his wing backs as far as both attacking and defensively, and they're really grasping yep. that. Yeah, it seems a little there. rich for him earlier yeah. in the season. It definitely. And yeah, now, he, was, he asked him a lot, but it's it's his. Yep. It's also it speaks to his commitment to playing the players when yep. he believes in them. It was a little rich for them early in the year. It was a little rich for a lot of them, and even just six weeks in and will missed a couple games as well. You can see how much further along he is now already. And like you said, Aiden Morris's growth this season has been, I don't want to say surprising because it's not surprising because we've all known that this is a talented player who has this kind of potential, but he has really taken a step very, very quickly under Wilfried and they're going to continue challenging him yep. and looking for more. And I mean, it's unlikely that the trajectory will keep, it's kind of going straight up right now and it probably can't keep going like that forever. But if he continues to develop Across the season, I mean, to quote one of his teammates who was yelling this in the locker room <laughs> after the game Saturday night, the price is going up. Yes, that's a true fact. That was Milos Degenek, by the way. There were a lot of guesses thrown out, and I just wanted to say on the podcast, for those listening, it was Milos Degenek who was saying that. Now, Bill's 10 goals in two games, and we touched Ooh. on this a little bit, but um, uh, you wrote about it this week. I want to mention the piece um, uh, a couple days ago. Uh, worth, uh, like... Like all your stuff, worth worth the yeah. read. I, I was it was a wonderful read. But ten goals in two games, and it was a crystallization um, over those two games of of Nancy's principles um, being executed on the field. So the light bulb thing. Yeah. So um, playing off your story, or what are we seeing exactly from what he wants to do, wants them to do and what they're, what, what they're doing. What are they doing right now? Bailey Johnson. Yeah. So like you said, I just wrote about this. I took a look at that first goal from the real Salt Lake game the, with the Lucas around back heel and Aiden's finish and how it really exemplifies everything he wants from them. It's a 45 second sequence. They switch the side of the field a couple of times. It's 15 passes. Seven guys are involved in the sequence and that's what he wants. He wants them holding the ball. He wants them high on the field. I mean, the play starts with Gustavo Vallecia winning a header basically at the halfway line and by 10 That's passes, an awesome name, by the yeah. way. By like halfway into the sequence. Say it one more time. Gustavo Vallecia. That's awesome. <laughs> by a few passes later, he's across halfway and they're working some passes on the left. He hits the big switch across the field to Mo Farsi, who finds uh, Stephen Marrera. Stephen steps up, which is the center right. back stepping up, which is another thing that Wilfried wants. He sees Lucas Elrayon making the run. And, and like yep. you said, yep. um, Kyle, Aiden Morris is making that run yep. basically kind of almost right behind Lucas. The pass actually goes right in front of him. He keeps his run going. Lucas barely even has to look. He takes like a quick peek over his left shoulder, back heels it right into Aiden's stride. And Aiden's like you said, Arias doesn't have to touch it. He just rifles it yep. into the net. And that's everything Wilfried wants. It's the getting a bunch of players involved. It's switching the sides of the field. It's maintaining possession. It's looking for those diagonal runs in behind that Lucas was making and Aiden made as well. It really summed up kind of everything he's looking for. And then they kind of kept it going. I mean, the third goal as well, Darlington Nagby's making a run on the edge of the box, working something with um, Del Rayon, Will Sands, that kind of starts with him out on the left. Aiden Morris is literally in the goal when he <laughs> scores it, which is, you know, as deep of a run as you can make. And a central midfielder isn't always the player doing that. But really, he yeah. scored two of his three goals this year right. from inside the six, essentially. But um, most people wouldn't make, you know, make that run to go... F- you know, to go towards the keeper and, yeah. you know, it's, it's, he, it's, a, he, it's a hustle play. It's I a think. hustle play. Yeah. He, pu- he pushes off three Real Salt Lake defenders who are trying to get the ball after their goalie had kind of spilled yep. it on the goal line while playing with a broken hand. I'll throw in cause that's just Feisty. classic Aiden Morris stuff. He's said he's going to be in the brace for like six more weeks and he is upset about it, but it's clearly not slowing him down. Well, I think, I, I think the cool thing is that you talked about the 10 goals. 
the the ten goals are are you know, you know Lucas has a PK, so nine of the other goals are all coming from other people. It's not just Cucho and Lucas doing you know all the heavy lifting where they've Those done that. Nine last are all, year. all in the run of play too, right? Uh, the, the, well, the, the, the Quinton one was off. Of, oh, other than the PK, yeah. it was PK, and then the Quinton one was off a corner. Oh, yeah, okay, which was awesome. So awesome still, goal, I mean, by the way. it was. It was a really nice service yeah. in from Alex Maton, who we saw even when Lucas Elrayon yep. was back. Saturday, Matan took yeah. one or two corners and Lucas took a couple. So getting another person to but do eight, eight of the ten goals in two games, yeah, in in the run of play. Run of play. But without your two main guys is what I was trying to get at. Yeah, without yeah, it's coming Cucho from your, and you've had Zelray yeah. on for one of them, and they haven't done any. I mean, Cucho hasn't scored this season. Right. He was involved in a couple of the goals early, but. He hasn't scored, and now he's been out the last couple weeks. And I was going to ask for, you about this later, but we might as well yeah. delve into it now. How, what's up with Cucho? So there's no update on the timeline. Two weeks ago, Wilfried said three to five weeks, so we're kind of getting into the middle of that. Um, last week, Wilfried said everything is progressing well, but didn't have an updated timeline. Cucho, what is the injury exactly? It's a knee injury. We don't know of what kind, but not super severe. Um, Cucho posted the other day an exercise he was doing where he was doing like some lateral movement, like quick step over his little gates, which I don't know anything about knee injuries, but I know that lateral movement is an important part of recovering from them. So that seemed promising. Um, I would expect probably another week or two. I'll try to get an update um, Saturday. So what, what what does the lineup look like right now? Uh, because it did morph uh, with international duties and injuries. Um, what, what we'll, we'll get to the D.C. game at D.C. Saturday in a yeah. second, but what, what do you expect the formation to look like, Bailey? Well, they've kept the formation the same, and really they've kept most of the players. I mean the, the lineup, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they've kept most of the players the same as well, and Wilfried likes to rotate, so we saw our first look at that. Um, against Real Salt Lake, Milos Jagenek got back, I believe Wednesday, was back at training last Thursday from having been in Australia on international duty. And I wondered how much he was going to play if maybe they would start him, but he would only go 45. And then they'd bring in Philip Quinton, who had played in that Milos Jagenek spot of in the center of the back line against Atlanta United. And what they ended up doing was they played Baisi on the left, Jagenek in the middle, and Steven Marrera on the right of the back three. And they all went 90 minutes. And when Wilfried was asked about it after the game, he said he likes to rotate. He had a good conversation with Phil. It obviously has nothing to do with his play. He was probably his best game that he's had against Atlanta. And it kind of got me thinking, actually, I try not to bring up too many hockey metaphors on this podcast, but it is a little bit how my brain works. (laughs) Um, You know, it's not uncommon. Too many blows to the head, Billy. (laughs) It's not uncommon for a hockey coach to have a good rookie and sit them for a game or two so they can see it from the press box. And it kind of occurred to me that that's probably part of what he's doing with Phil Quinton. He had a strong, he improved every single week through the first five, his first five starts in MLS. He has an opportunity for him to then sit there and watch the game. And that's probably good for him. Well, excellent. So this uh, Columbus crew team, which was just so difficult to watch for such long stretches last year is, is, is now a lot of fun. I mean, um, they were minus three after week one with a four to one loss uh, in Philly, and now they're um, they have the third best differential in the league, um, uh, plus seven, fifteen four eight against um, only uh, St. Louis City. Well, they finally lost, huh? Five yeah. to one. St. Yeah, Louis that was a City. fascinating game out there in Minnesota or in St. Louis, but it was against Minnesota. Well, they're uh, they're plus ten, fifteen four five against, and. Uh, the uh, I forget is Seattle the birthplace or the uh, the place where the game was invented? Kyle, I, I, I always mix up them in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, Seattle's four one and one, and they have twelve four three against plus nine. And then right after St. Louis and Seattle are, are the Columbus Crew with the plus seven. Three zero and zero at home, Bailey. Zero two one on the road, and after two home games, 
They go on the on the road to, um, to D.C. Uh, D.C. United is still struggling, um, and the crew is uh, searching for their first um, road victory of the season. Um, a, a quick preview, if you would. Yeah, this is an interesting one because, like you said, they've been so strong at home, especially the last two games, and they started out their home slate with D.C. United when they won 2 nothing. Lucas Elrayon had a brace in the first half, and then things kind of slipped a little bit in the second half, and D.C. didn't get on the score sheet but kind of had the run of play in the second half. Yeah, they got minutes. a little Wayne Rooney going. You know, they, they, def- they absolutely did, and that was, Wilfried was pretty unhappy after that game. It was kind of our first look. Obviously, it was only their second game, but it was sort of our first look at how dedicated he is to the process and the way that they play over the results. So now for them to have an opportunity to go on the road against a team that they saw very recently, which is intriguing. It's only about a month later, five weeks later. Um, a team they know is going to come out angry because they lost to them last time and they're playing at home. DC is going to push them and it'll be a really good opportunity for them to apply. They've, well, they want to play the same way home and road, but obviously they've really reached like, right. I don't want to say peak execution, but have executed very, very well at home over the last two weeks. So now translating that execution on the road, this is a good opportunity for them to do that against a DC team that is definitely going to be a little Wayne Rooney scrappy is going to push them, but ultimately is not super, super threatening. And good in the air, though. You got to watch the set pieces. They are very good in the air, but the crew tore them apart on the ground yeah. in the first game. So I'm yeah. not. And the crew are better in the air, I think, than they like. They're pretty good in the air, even against Red Bulls, which is a team that's very good in the air. That's not like a highlight of their game, but they're not certainly bad in the air. Well, yeah, I mean, you got Quentin back there. If he'll get the start back, if you know, you told him that oh, we were going to get it to the lineup. Yeah. 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 We'll see what happens. I, I have it projected that they'll rotate Quentin right. back in. Um, maybe on the left for Viasia, maybe in the middle. He looked really good, I thought, in the middle against Atlanta. He said that's where he's played more, so he feels a little bit more comfortable there. Kind of did the thing, you know, where they don't want to say they're more yeah. comfortable in one position, but they hint at it. So maybe he'll rotate back in. Um, the one that's really interesting for me is what they're going to do at goalkeeper. Uh-oh. Because... Oh, Billy's going to stir it. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Tr- I'm maybe stirring the pot a little bit. So Aloy Room came back from international duty, and Wilfried said he felt something in his leg last Friday, and they went with Schulte. Saturday night and Saturday or Schulte played his best game by far. It's only his third start and he is 22 years old. So I'm going to temper a lot of this, but he was very good in that game and looked a lot more comfortable, massively more comfortable than he had made five saves. A couple that really challenged him was very commanding and grabbing balls out of the air, coming out of the box to play it. One, I think to his left, right? Yeah. The diving one to his left, right at the end of the first half was a really good save. He had a couple good ones in the second half. Too bad. It wasn't a a clean sheet. It was a clean sheet. 4-0, we all set like... Oh, I'm talking about... Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, so, I was so conflating. So Atlanta's they, always yeah. on my mind. They've each made they, they've they each made three soccer, starts. They yeah. each have one clean sheet. Yep. Aloy's made one more save than Schulte has yep. on aggregate. I'm not in any way suggesting that Aloy Room is losing his starting job, but I do think like Wilfried is all about... He's coaching now. Wilfried is all about the internal competition and what they're getting yep. out of Patrick Schulte is really creating that. Like, I don't... Heading into the season, it was very much Aloy Room is the starter in Sharpie, and I don't know that it's in Sharpie anymore. Well, let's uh, you know let's talk to big <laughs> Aloy Room fan, big support of Aloy Room, Kyle I'm not saying I don't Robert. think Aloy Room no, is good. I'm, I'm saying they have two I, good goalies. Yeah, I think Kyle, that's good. Kyle, I think it's good. I'm saying Kyle yeah. doesn't like Aloy yeah, Room. He never has. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think it's good. You know, I think it's good, and, and you know, I, well, I, <laughs> I know. You know, how, everyone knows how I feel, uh, you know. I think they could have upgraded. There's no ballast in it. You're just I, not yeah, a fan just, of the other room. That's all. I think he sits on the line a little too much. So Yeah, and that's the thing. That's but I will say, though, like you said, three starts, you know, compared to, you know, two, three years in the MLS, I think eventually 
you know, but I think it's good that they're switching yeah, and they're and, getting an experience and to see what they have. And, you know, yeah. who knows? I think, I think they, they think, I know they yeah. think really highly of Patrick Schulte and what they have in yeah. him. He was very good last year in MLS next pro. He has developed really well in his first three games so far. So again, I'm not saying that a room is not going to play, but I do think this DC right. game is an opportunity to give a young goalie another start and one on the road to right. maybe he, I don't think he needs a confidence boost. He's a very confident right. kid as I learned Saturday night, but you know, got beat up pretty good in his first start at Philly. So maybe throw him in there but against you, DC. You like to see Nance. If he's moving people around, giving young kids shots here and there, you want to see him do the same thing in goal too. So I think it's great for everyone. Well, that's what he did in Montreal. It was. Yeah. Yeah. And he never really had a settled starter in Montreal. And now that you say that, he even, kind of, even their acquisitions were sort of targeted as in, in reclamation, almost projects. Uh, he knows what he wants or, and obviously uh, here he's starting to uh, assert or the players are starting to understand uh, what, what he's about. Um, that's in the results. Yeah. Just like, Last year was in the results for the former coach, and it's, uh, you are, as Bill Parcells used to say, what so, your so record you're, says you are. Yeah. So you're saying it was a coaching thing last year, then, right? I think, <laughs> I think that. I, I mean, I I, had, I wrote hey. that. I think that's been well. Yeah. well I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to. Let's talk about Ayler <laughs> Room. We don't have to go back over that yeah. ground. Um, no, it's 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 been really. If you're a crew fan, it, it has to be a lot of fun to yeah. see this flowering before your eyes, uh, because for all the potential there in the building and in the fan base, um, to start tapping into it again is is um, it's refreshing. Right. You know, it's refreshing. All right, Bills. Is there anything else you want to cover before we just look ahead? Well, there's to, probably there's yeah. a few things we could talk about. Okay, let's um, go. Not, not tons, but just um, to continue the injury conversation, just yes. quickly. Like I said, no update on Cucho. Um, Luis Diaz is out with a back injury that seems to be a bit of a weird one. He, I saw him out like training by this on the side with one of the trainers last week. He was not out there yesterday. There's really no timeline or update or any information on that, so I'm not quite sure what's going on there. The one thing that I did want to bring up is uh, Wilfred was asked about Josh Williams's injury yesterday, and it. He didn't say a lot, but it doesn't take a lot to read between the lines of what he said either. So I'll read the quote. He said, this is not easy for Josh because he wants to be involved in the process. Sometimes he's okay. Sometimes he has to step back a bit. The thing that we do every day is to be close with him and to give him our support in terms of a timeline to come back. I don't know for the moment. I don't know. We'll see. So that's not super optimistic about Josh Williams and his ankle injury. Sounds like it's kind of one of those lingering things that isn't really changing at all. Which well, you don't really need him at the moment, no, I'm not which saying is great, which is right, kind of like, do. you know, the old, uh, we said a couple weeks ago about the old Johnny Hockey, you know, oh, your groins are, <laughs> you know, you don't need him, but you no, will. He should I be think. Resting, yeah, yeah, yeah. I and mean, so he's a veteran. He's, you know a, he's, a, he's an older, he's yeah. an older yeah. player. He's a veteran, and it doesn't yep. sound super optimistic is yeah. what I will say at this point. Um, another thing, uh, I wrote about for, uh, do you have something to say? Oh No, I was just uh, going to say he's a beloved player. Oh, yeah. Totally beloved. Yep. Really great guy. And a dude, you know, he's just yeah. uh, stand up. It was nice Please. to see him and say hello in the press box Saturday as he was showing around some of the kids that have not, like, had to spend games in the press box before he was introducing them around. It was nice. Um, I wrote for tomorrow, Friday, um, about MLS allowing stoppages in play for players to break their fasts uh, that are fasting during Ramadan. Yeah, look for that story. Um, so that was a cool moment on Saturday. It was like the 19th minute. The ref, the ball went out for a goal kick. They're not stopping during the run of play, but it's like the closest stoppage after sundown. The ref signals for it. It's basically an extension of their drinks break. Right, yep. 
rule that they have when games are really hot. Um, refs are allowed to stop play. The teams have to request it beforehand because obviously if there's no right. one fasting, they won't do it. Um, but it allowed Stephen Marrera and Mo Farsi, both of whom are fasting, to go break their fast on the sideline and not have to hope there's a stoppage or wait until halftime because um, they both said... They both told me that it's easier than you would think to be fasting and be a professional soccer player, and I have no reason not to believe them, but it is just kind of something that yeah. you're like, how is that Crazy. possible that it's easier than I think it is? Um, but getting something in them 20, 25 minutes sooner than they otherwise would is really huge for them, and they both are really thrilled by the respect that MLS is showing for their religion and kind of the message of inclusion that it sends, especially for Steven, who is French and comes from both a culture and a league that will never... Yeah allow for a stoppage. Um, in fact, the French Federation said very vehemently that they won't, yeah. even as the Premier League and other leagues around the world do. Um, Stephen told me that when he was playing in France, he had a coach, they had probably eight Muslim players on the team, and he had a coach that told them all, like, you can make your own decision, but I do not think you should fast on match days, and like, I'll consider whether or not I put you on the lineup. Hmm. And they said, we hear you, but this is our yep. lives, like, we're going to do it. And he ended up playing, and it was quote-unquote yeah. fine, but he that you can tell that it means a lot to him yep. that MLS has this respect and Mo Farsi as well. So that was cool to talk with them and um, Abdi Mohammed on crew to MLS next Pro was following the same rules. Um, and I chatted with their dietitian as well, Kyla cross about how she handles it all. So look for that story tomorrow. Cause it was very enlightening and a story that I'm proud of. It's, it's uh it's, it's a part of our sports culture. I mean, I remember covering NBA playoffs and Akeem Olajuwon was, was fasting. Uh, we just saw UConn win a national title with uh, Adama Sanogo is, is fasting for, for Ramadan. So um, all, all that is, uh, that's cool, cool but on the MLS and, and, and uh, beauty there, A, eh, as, as they say in hockey. Um, so the, the crew at Audi Field uh, in the District of Columbia Saturday night to take on a struggling D.C. United team, but always plucky as they take on the persona of their coach. The fighting Wayne Rooney's. That's right. Um, on the 22nd of April, um, week eight at Charlotte, um, on the 29th of April, last game of the month, week nine, home versus Miami, which will be interesting. And then you start to look ahead in May because uh, you look at the schedule and you look at the standings. Let go, Cincinnati's at the top of the table in the East. There, That's good. that game's on my birthday. Just throwing that points. out there. Yeah, so <laughs> that'll be fun. Send Bailey um, birthday presents and and she's speaking of the May twentieth game. Um, May twentieth at Cincinnati at yes. TQL Stadium um, in the Queen City. Um, the first meeting of the Hell is Real rivalry. You know, there's, rivalry a, there's a controversy about that because Charlotte also believes that they're the Queen City. Well, they, they should like any war. It should just be the mayor should fight it out rather than <laughs> put anyone else's, you know. I would like to one. see. I don't know if the soccer teams have done, but I would like to see the soccer teams like create something around that. I think that would, that be. would be. I mean, what? They could do something like the Trillium Cup, right? Made up cup. Yeah. <laughs> Just make up some more cups. Okay, that means we're out of uh, no, no, ideas I just here. Say, uh, no, I just want to say one thing. I want to give a shout out to the Crew Academy. They're, oh they're, yes, we should talk about that. Butt in the uh, GA yeah, Cup. They're, they're, uh, the U15s are down right now, actually. Yeah. I think, um, but both the Crew U15s and U17s are in Quarter the quarterfinals of GA Cup. Um, the U17s won their last group stage game over Man United um, with an Olympico from Owen Preslis at the death, yep. which was pretty wild. I've watched the yep. clip many times and. I mean, one might say it rivals Federico Bernardeschi's because <laughs> that one was helped by wind yeah, and Owens was, was yeah, not. Yeah. So 
we'll throw that out there. Yeah, they um, the U17s play this afternoon. You can stream it on MLS Season Pass if you're a real dedicated fan. I don't know how many people will, but throwing it out there, that's an option. All right. Well, thank you for joining us again. Uh, Bailey's got a couple of really interesting pieces at Dispatch.com. Kyle, the photographer extraordinaire, always a pleasure when yeah. you can make it into studio. I know you have management duties to carry now. Per usual, the podfather, who should have been a concert pianist, but instead spins the dials for us in the studio on the mezzanine level of 62 East Broad Street. Thank you for joining us for the aforementioned crew. I'm Mike Arace and... We'll three, four, two, one you next week. And uh, Patrick, <laughs> kick us out of here. <laughs>